It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Muggy may not do it enough justice, but good Muggy Friday morning to you from South Florida. And welcome to Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, where we're live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way here at Alex Rodriguez Park at Mark Light Field, the home of the Miami Hurricanes and home to the NCAA Coral Gables Regional, where the Texas Longhorns will be taking on. The Raging Cajuns of the University of Louisiana, the Lafayette campus, but they're known as the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. That comes your way at 1 o'clock this afternoon here on the Horn as well. And then, of course, tonight, the number nine overall national seed in the top seed in this region, the host, the Miami Hurricanes, take on the Maine Black Bears. Happy to be with you. Happy to be joined, as always, by my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County. We're... The atmospheric weather conditions are probably identical to how they are here uh, in Coral Gables. Um, he's also a proud graduate of Florence High School. But you know him best. Always. For his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That's Jeff Howe. I, it, it's probably a little bit different in Florence, uh, uh, you know, uh, climatologically speaking, two, I would say. Two things I hope you remembered to either acquire or take with you on this What's trip. That? You got to have your electrolytes. You need to replenish. Water's not mm-hmm. going to be enough. Yeah. And did you pack your talcum powder? Because it's going to get a little, uh, a little swampy in your nether regions, Craig. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I got a lot of, I got a little bit of uh, swampy in the nether regions artificially, accidentally, this morning. You see, today is National Donut Day. And I heard uh, Bucky and Aaron talking about it when I got up early this morning. I thought, you know what? I'm going to go get a donut. And and I thought, I'm going to have a donut for National Donut Day. Well, the other night, and I shared the story yesterday about our long travail of getting uh, into South Florida and then getting from the airport to the hotel, yep. and it was pretty late. Well, a lot of the guys, by the time they got to the hotel, were just ordering, like, Uber Eats and DoorDash and, and Grubhub and all that stuff um, to, get, to get food. And Mitchell Daly ordered donuts from – mojo donuts and it's kind of like voodoo donuts that kind of thing i i I figured it was kind of like that so i thought i'll go i'm I'm gonna go down there so it was it it was it was it's kind of between here at the ballpark and the team hotel so i went and uh i just shared on twitter about national donut day and our producer behind the glass cameron parker asked him to take a look at that cam you got a good look at those donuts didn't you there uh, there at uh, mojo donuts this morning Look yeah, very they, tasty, almost, yeah, almost like voodoo donuts here in Austin. Very much so, and and the and the donut that, that that you see there in the picture there, if you look at my Twitter at Horn Voice, that's the new Twitter side because of all the what fiasco that went through with the uh, with the old Twitter account. So if you uh, if you look at that, you'll see it uh, tweeted there. It's a banana cream donut, and he even has a little mini vanilla wafer in it, and it was really really good. But here is the issue, Jeff, and this is what gets me to my point. Um, you know, if if you're an inveterate donut eater, and I am from time to time, uh, you got to have a cup of coffee with it. And of course, I'm an inveterate coffee drinker. So I got a cup of coffee, and for a brief, fleeting moment, I thought I'll I'll stay here and eat it. And I thought, no, I'll take it back. I still got plenty of time. I'm gonna go back to the hotel, uh, eat it there, and then and then go on and get ready for that. So what happens? I go, and as I get into the car, you remember the famous uh, Seinfeld thing. Did they put a top on? Did they put the top on or did you put the top on on the coffee? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Top popped off and hot coffee spilled all over. You guessed it, the crotchal region. Well, um, good news is uh, you probably at this stage in your life where you're done procreating, so 
Hey, yeah, 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 yeah you're right about that. that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, actually, it, it dodged most of the uh, the strategic areas, if you get my drift okay. there. But it was all over my shorts, all over a really nice pair of shorts. Uh, and and so I had to go back to the hotel. I was going to go back anyway, clean it up all out of the seed and all that stuff. And went back to the hotel and changed. And Roger Wallace and I are here now at the ballpark. So we came over to the ballpark. So I wanna and the sh- yeah, team has just walked in as well. I want to shout out Longhorn and Lubbock on the Specs text line. Uh, need to wash that down with some Brondo because Brondo, as we all know, has what plants crave, and that's electrolytes. Oh, okay. For those all of right. you who've seen Idiocracy. No yeah, 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 time. right, right. So, uh, anyway, uh, we're here. We're, as I mentioned yesterday, we are out of doors. You just heard a rumble. That's a, that's a train rolling by uh, like a, you know, commuter train uh, that rolls by on an elevated track, kind of like what you would see the L in Chicago. You know, it's kind of rolling past. Um, but um, uh, I know folks are worried about the weather. I know the team is concerned about the weather. I, well, at least David Pierce is. Um so far, so decently good. Uh, it is it is warm and hot and muggy and sunny, but it's under some partly cloudy conditions. The, the worry will come in the afternoon, right about the time the game starts three hours from now. You know, that's, that's, that's when the concern is going to be about when those showers roll in off the Atlantic coast. So that's, that's the concern, and that, that would be the concern if you were to start your, your pitcher, Lucas Gordon, and get, you know, maybe a couple of solid innings out of him, and all of a sudden the skies open up and you're out for an hour and a half to two hours, can't bring him back at that point. So that's that's the concern there. It'll be interesting to see uh, for Louisiana with their junior right-hander, uh, Jackson uh, Nezu, who will be going for them. Uh, if if that sort of <coughs> excuse me, if that sort of thing affects him as well, but uh, we'll see. And uh, by the way, I can tell you this right now uh, because we've been given the lineups. Peyton Powell is back at third base. Well, that's good. Uh, yep, and, and he was feeling good. And I've talked to him on Monday, uh, the selection show, and he, he joked he'd come in out of the cages and he said, "Okay, swing's fine, everything's good there." He goes, I'll figure out the fielding part. <laughs> that was on, on Monday. But uh, David Pierce said he made steady progress over the course of the last few days, and he feels it, it, about as good as he can feel, he said. Uh, so he's he's uh, he's ready to go. So uh, that's good to see. So it's pretty much uh, a regular lineup. Jalen Flores will DH uh, today. And uh, Mitchell Daly's back at uh, shortstop and Jack O'Dowd, of course, at second base. And uh, everybody else uh, in pretty much the regular spots in the lineup and in the batting order. So so there is that. Um, hey, but, Craig, real, yes. real quick, I've got a hypothetical for you based on something that came in on the Specs text line. Sure. 337-3776. And by the way, Craig does not have access to the text line today. So I don't. Uh, I don't. But that's okay. Jeff I can will, pass it along. Yes, I'm I on for the there. first hour before I have to get downstairs and do my uh, – game day duties and things like that and then jeff and cam will take you through hour number two i will be the intermediary between craig and the text line today so based on what apd number one said based on yeah. a comment i made yeah said craig's gonna do the al pacino thing just watch so craig i have a hypothetical for you yeah the al pacino as we know is gonna be a father at 83 yeah that's right if it meant craig if it meant that the longhorns would pull off the trifecta i'm talking football national championship men's basketball national championship win the college world series if you knew that was going to happen, but the the catch is you have to have an Al Pacino baby at 83 years old. You have to be a new father. Would you do it? Well, I have the easy answer to that. The easy answer is when I brought when the Al Pacino story came out the other day, I brought it up to uh, my lovely wife <laughs> Linda, who has already had her childbearing years, right. uh, you know, and and uh, and I've already had my my procreation years. I brought that up to her and I said. What would you think about that? You know, if it was 83 and she said, yeah, well, I'm not having a baby at that at that time. Because she's younger than me, but not a lot younger yeah. than me. She's she's several years younger, but not not but not, not, not like decades. Not like Al Pacino's 83 and the mother-to-be is 29. It's not like that. So, um... So anyway, she, she's so she said. So let me. She goes. So let me put a, a stop to any of those thoughts right now. <laughs> so, so let it be known, folks. The voice of the Longhorns does not value national championships in the Big Three all that much because he won't make the simple sacrifice for the greater good of the athletic department. I'm saying it's out of my hands. <laughs> I'm saying I have no say in the matter. That's that's what I'm telling you. Uh, I'm I'm telling you that that uh, that that decision is beyond is beyond my. 
uh, control. I'm sure Linda's thrilled if she's listening to this conversation, by the way. Yeah, yeah, probably so. Probably so, you know. Uh, but Greg, that, just so you know, I would find if it, if it meant that if it meant national championships in the Big Three, I would find a way to make it happen. If somebody you, told me, "Hey, you have to have an Al Pacino baby," but if you do, this is going to happen, then you, I, you I'd find a, I'd find a way to make it happen. Yeah. Okay. Right, when you say an Al Pacino baby, you mean I'd have to wait till I was eighty-three? Yeah. See, I'm not sure I'm getting to eighty-three. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that, that I'm going to reach that. So it might be easy for me to go ahead and say, yeah, sure, go ahead, put me down for that. I'm put almost positive I'm not making it to 83. Yeah, so so it might be pretty easy to make that promise. Of the three of us, Cameron's got the best shot because he's young. Like he's, he's That's still, true. He can still take care of his body. He's got wide, And Cameron keeps himself in good shape. He's still several years away from 33, uh, you know, half a, half a century beneath that. So I don't think Cam has to really – worry too much about that cam you, you plan on having kids in the next i don't know 10 years or so mm, closer to the 10 you you youngins aren't in a rush to to start spawning offspring i tell that to my eldest daughter she said she had four <laughs> in seven years you know but she's the only one of my four kids to, right, to, to even be married let alone uh you know well when it costs progeny when it costs about a million dollars now to raise a child, I mean, my generation, we're not exactly uh, millionaires ourselves right now. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a, I, I understand that. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, well, uh, there's plenty to get to uh, today. Um, I know, I, I know, I think I know the answer to this for Cam. But let me ask you, Jeff, did you watch game one of the NBA Finals last night? I did a little bit. Yeah, I was getting some editing stuff done at Hornish 24-7. You guys can go over there right now, by the way, check out what we've got. So, yeah, I was, it was kind of uh, killing two birds with one stone, really. Yeah. Had an yeah. eye on the, on the finals and doing some editing. Okay. All right. Um, I enjoyed it last night. Uh, uh, I was a, a guest to Roger Wallace at his sister and brother-in-law who live in Coral Gables, beautiful home. And uh, and we were invited over for dinner, and so we went over and had a nice dinner last night and watched the ball game. Or well, we watched it till a half, and Raj and I could see how it was going, and said, you know, this is a good exit time to head back to the hotel. Hey, Rogers. And, uh, by the way, Rogers going pretty serious on living this Jimmy Buffett lifestyle, is he not? Like he's well, got to be right at home. Ask Roger. I'm, I'm gonna put Roger on. He's right here. Let me. Let me. Uh, now he didn't hear what you said, so you need to go ahead and and repeat that. There, Rogers on the headset yeah, now. Yeah, Roger, South Florida. You're you're going full tilt with the Jimmy Buffett lifestyle right now, are you not? Yeah, man. This is. Uh, these are the roots. Craig mentioned my sister lives down here. She went to the University of Florida. She's the one back in the early 70s that brought home an album back to Ohio uh, by this, uh, you know, blonde, raggedy beach bum named Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> and uh, that's where it all started for us. And as you as you may know, Buffett, kind of his northern uh, most uh, biggest spot for fans is Cincinnati. That's where uh, the term Parrotheads uh, was born at a concert. In, in Cincinnati? Cincinnati? In Cincinnati. Yeah, his, uh, his now um, departed harmonica player, Fingers Taylor. Uh, said, look out at the crowd. Looks like a bunch of parrot heads out there, and that's that's how that started. But yeah, this is a uh, this is a spot I've been to uh, a million times over the last uh, forty years. So it was a, a great fortune for me to uh, get to come down here and see some family and uh, watch some baseball in the sauna. He knows he knows uh, he knows his way around down here. Uh, I, I figured uh, yeah. I figured yeah. that was the case. Yeah, yeah. It's just like last year when the three of us were out in Greenville, and I kind of knew where 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 to go and place to do. Since it was, even though I hadn't spent an awful lot of time in Pitt County, North Carolina, and Greenville, I knew the area well enough. And 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 remember, Jeff, that when the three of us after that incredible Saturday afternoon come from behind win for Texas in Game Two of the Super against East Carolina, when they were down seven two in the seventh inning, came back and Dylan Campbell had the game tying home run. He ended up winning it. Uh, in extras, and and we drove to the coast to eat seafood, and mm-hmm. of course the grand irony is Roger doesn't do seafood, but <laughs> but it, you know we went down there, uh, and uh, remember what we were listening to when we came back, Jeff. It was the Jimmy Buffett live from uh, Moody Center, wasn't it? From Moody Center, yeah, where my seat was taken by someone other than me, <laughs> but that was okay. Yeah. That was a that was a gamble I was willing to take, and uh, happily uh, didn't get to see him, but. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's what sparked uh, Jeff's thoughts about about Buffett is our car ride back, and uh, that was 
Hey, if we go to the coast this time for seafood, Jeff, you'll be happy to know we don't have to drive 90 minutes. Yeah, what, yeah. How, how far? What, what's the... Uh, well, we could go do right from here yeah. and drive about 10 minutes. And yeah. We yeah. could find a spot. Also, you a, could probably walk to a, a decent place from where you guys are. There is a place that Gene Watson, our good friend, the assistant general manager of the Kansas City Royals, highly recommends... Uh, and and we may try to hit that. We were going to go there Wednesday before all the travel nightmares, so we're going to try to see. Right now, we're going to the Marlins game tonight. Yep. Uh, we're going to see, uh, you know, that titanic clash between the Marlins and the A's at Lone Depot Park. So that's that's another one Attend- to check off the Attendance is going to be, what, about 1,400? Thereabouts. <laughs> well, and, and the Marlins actually have been not awful this year. They've actually been kind of decent. They've been what second in the National League East to the Braves. They haven't been. They haven't been horrible. They not built, like the A's. They built that park on the site of the old Orange Bowl, did they not? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So it's yeah pretty much in that same area. So and uh, so anyway, I'll let Rods lead the way on that <laughs> when we go over there. When we go over there to do it. My first trip to the Orange Bowl, uh, guys, was when I actually interned in Tampa out of college, and we went down for uh, University of Florida and Miami, and Miami had a brand-new quarterback by the name of Vinny Testaverde. Oh, wow. And uh, you talk about dumps. That's that's the biggest yeah. dump ever. The Orange Bowl? The, the locker rooms there are uh, – I know there are ten nicer locker rooms uh, within <laughs> 15 minutes of the station. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it was bad. It just yeah. looked like you watch old games. And, and I, I'm, I've I watched my share of, you know, in my lifetime, I've watched my share of Miami games. The Orange Bowl, especially an early season daytime kickoff at the Orange Bowl, mm. looks like the most miserable place on earth to be. Yeah. it's And, and it, Craig knows. We've talked a lot about it. But the, the temperature is not what gets you down here this time of year. The temperature's in the mid-80s. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's when the, the humidity gets cranked up. And it's right now it's pretty pleasant. Uh, we got some cloud cover and a little bit of breeze, but it just punches you in the face. <laughs> yeah, it can get it can get pretty, to use Roger's word, oppressive uh, around here uh, when when that happens. All right, so but hey, let's start at two o'clock. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Uh, well, and some folks would look at the Texas Rice kickoff of two <laughs> yeah, thirty. Right. That's not oppressive. That's just blazing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what that is. So while we've got Roger with us, uh, Jeff, because you and I haven't had a chance to talk about it since it just came down yesterday um rods let me get your thoughts on all of the we we were having a lot of fun about a lot of reporting about not a lot going on at the sec meetings in destin well something finally happened there on the tail end of it talking about the eight game eight game conference schedule there we kept seeing tweets and quotes from people going oh he says they might want to play again they might do this they might there was a lot of nothing for for about three days and then yesterday it's an eight-game schedule, or yeah. at least for the one year. And I, I think that's what they thought just because of the whole the TV deal. Uh, they don't know uh, quite how to make sure it looks like what they want. I, I think they want to have a plan and, and stick with it. And, Jeff, I know you're, you're dialed into this too. So sounds like it might just be a one-year deal, uh, figure it out, and then, uh, and then you know move on to a nine-game conference schedule. Yeah, the downside is, you know, it's going to be like the same deal Texas was in in 2006. And, Craig, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where you go to the 12-game schedule and then all on spur of the moment notice you got to find an opponent. So get ready for UIW or, you know, Lamar or somebody of that ilk on the, well, on the schedule. Well, and it leads me to my Specs text line question for today, Jeff. I thought about this. Roger and I talked about it when, when the word came down about the eight-game Sketch conference slate for the SEC. So we were going out to lunch yesterday, which, by the way, when I got down here, I said I got to have a Cuban sandwich, and I did, and it was outstanding. Uh, so, uh, so while we were doing that, I said, here's my question for the Specs text line. So our friends on the Specs text line, please chime in. We're, we're leaning on you for your suggestion. Here it is. You have to pick the fourth non-conference game next year for Texas. Because the three games we know what are, Jeff, are, are Colorado State, Michigan, and what's the other one? Uh, UTSA, yes. right? Okay. So you've got to come up with another one. So what is the fourth non-conference game? Now, here are the caveats. Can't be a power five. And it can't be Texas State because they're going to play Texas State in 26. And obviously, they already have UTSA on the schedule. So... You can't play a Power 5 school 
which now, by the way, is going to include Houston since, since they're in the, the Big 12. So what non-conference game do you pick for next year? So, uh, Jeff, what, what's the first one that comes to your mind? It can't, it can't be our, your alma mater, unfortunately. No Texas State and no UTSA since they're already on the schedule. Mm-hmm. And it can't be a Power 5. It can be an FCS. It can be a G5. But it cannot be a Power 5. And, and that includes Notre Dame as well. So, what's it going to be? Who, see, who, would you, who, see, would your, who would your fourth non-conference opponent be? I've already seen uh, at Hawaii and at UNLV. No, nope, it's got to be home. Game, it's got to so. be home. It has to be home. It yeah. has to be home. Here's, here's so the, I, we thought about that, by the way. We said yeah. uh, we actually said got to X out Hawaii. So yeah, it 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 no, it has to be a home game because we know that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. That's what this whole deal is all about, anyway. Getting that extra non-conference home game revenue and that sort of thing. That's that's a big part of it. So it's uh, that that fourth non-conference game, no Power Five. No UTSA since already on the schedule. No Texas State, and it has to be a home game. It can be a Group of Five, a G Five, or an FCS. So who would it be, Jeff? If I'm Chris Del Conte, and I'm not, and I don't think he'll do this, I'm just going to okay. go ahead and lean into the bit and go with my SEC brethren. Give me one of. When does UTRGV start playing football? Are they, do they start in oh, 24? that's a good call. Keep, uh, keep it in the system. You, you you can go UTRGV. I thought Tarleton. Uh, would be another one. Texas Tech playing them. Just because that just would look so, I don't know, Tarleton playing a game at DKR would just be weird. A&M Commerce is another one. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, hey, go wheels off, lean into the bit, and it's a one-year deal. Who cares? I just thought about this, guys. Newest member of the UT system is Stephen F. Austin. Oh, that's right. So throw them a, throw them a check. Uh, welcome, welcome to the family. RGV doesn't start playing football till twenty-five. Okay, so they're they're not in consideration. All right, so we have a we have a vote for SFA. Raj is is opting for SFA. Um, you know, uh, I have to tell you, I have to tell you that that I would have given serious thought to my alma mater, the University of North Texas. Ooh, now, that, that might be dangerous. I know. That's why. That's why I kind of like, eh, you know. Uh, but but I will tell you this, you know they who they haven't played in thirty years, SMU. Nine, and I think ninety five actually. So it would have been uh, uh, that would have was the last time they played SMU, and that was in the Cotton Bowl, a regular season game in the Cotton Bowl, where they beat. Remember in ninety three when they, the Alamo Dome was first opening up, and SMU uh, gave up a home game, let them be bought out by the Alamo Dome, and uh, so Texas played SMU in the Alamo Dome in 93. It was a designated home game for SMU, and, of course, it was jammed full of Texas fans, and the Longhorns won that one handily. But um, I, I don't know. I'd have, to, I'd have to think about this. So that so that's the question, and, and Jeff will let you man it on the Specs yeah. text line. If today. I'm being serious, though, like yeah. I, I think right. – because, you know, you're going to end up playing – you're probably going to end up having to schedule – an FCS team because most of your FBS teams, by the time you get to that point in the schedule, they're playing conference games, and yep. I don't think anybody's going to want to go out of conference to come to Austin to play Texas. Schedule a SWAC school, okay? You know, Texas make, Southern, Texas Prairie Southern View. Prairie View, yeah. Just, just you know, give uh, one of those one of the HBCUs, give them a pay game, and you know, pay them. I don't know what the the pay game, what it, Craig would be over a million, right? Somewhere yeah. between one and two. And I would, I would keep it in the state. Yeah. Either give it a Prairie View or, or Texas or Southern. Texas Southern. I, I if think you're going to do it. Uh, if you're going to, you know, if you're not leaning into the bit like I would, if in all seriousness, yeah, why not? Okay. I think that would be. I think. I think everybody would. Not everybody, but I think there would be a consensus to say, yeah, that that it doesn't make sense, but it's a worst case. It's a worst case scenario anyway, and at least you know you're you're given to a program that they could they could use the funds. Okay. All right. So there's a thought. Uh, uh, there, uh, so we'll put that away. Um, I don't want to say this is bad news, <laughs> Jeff, but um, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll save it for the Longhorn Notebook because it's very, very applicable to what might might happen today. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that coming. We need a break. We're going to come back. We're going to have our Longhorn Notebook. And, and, again, the question on the Specs text line, you get to pick the fourth non-conference opponent for Texas in 2024. Who's it going to be? And it, and it can't be a Power 5 school. It cannot be 
uh, a, a UTSA who's already on the schedule, or Texas State, a soon future opponent. You should really include UTEP on that too, because they're a future opponent uh, there. Um, but it can't it can't be uh, a Power Five, and it, and it has to be a home game. So no trip to Hawaii, no trip to Vegas. So uh, you can't you it, can't go play FAU. You can't go down to Boca Raton. No, but but Tom Herman could come to Austin. Roger came up with that idea. Said, "How about how about inviting Tom Herman back to Austin to lead FAU in in, in DKR?" <laughs> so uh, it it it, it's, it can be a G five, obviously, or an FCS opponent. No division two. Sorry, folks. No Angelo State coming. Yes, in. we have had a couple of Southwestern suggestions. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Southwestern, no D three, <laughs> no NAI. So no Carson Newman or no, anything like da- that. Dallas Baptist does not have a football team. <laughs> they do not have a football program, so that's not happening. So uh, so no Paul Quinn College. No, no, no Houston Tillotson. It's got to be either a G5 uh, or an FCS and uh, in meeting that other criteria. So we'll leave it to the folks to decide that. We'll come back. All right, we'll have our longer notebook coming up next, our first hour one, and uh, some uh, update on the baseball scenario here as we continue from – Alex Rodriguez Park at Mark Light Field here in Coral Gables, Florida. And, of course, Jeff Howe, along with our producer Cameron Parker, back in the ARN Compound Studios. And uh, we're here. We'll continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Craig Way and Jeff Howe, Light the Tower. This is Life the Tower on the Horn from Mark Light Field here in Coral Gables, Florida. Craig Wayne, Roger Wallace with you. I'm on with you till the top of the hour. And then it's uh, Jeff and Cam uh, straight through in uh, that second hour. 12.45 the scheduled. I do stress the word scheduled air time with a 1 o'clock scheduled. I do stress the word scheduled first pitch, which leads us to our first hour Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. All right, fellas, uh, here's the um, uh, the news, and I don't know that I should interpret this necessarily as bad news, but I'm just going to lay it on out there for you. They've covered the field here. <laughs> uh, well, that's not it's not good. Uh, they pulled the tarp uh, onto the field. We are under some pretty good cloud cover right now. Um, Roger and I are under a rollout like awning canopy that's over where we're, but we are. Oh, and that rumble you just heard in the background was the rumble of, uh, you guessed it, thunder. Um, so that's happening. I'm looking at the Longhorns right now, and I think they're walking into the uh, indoor batting cage, the Jimmy and Kim Klotz Player Development Center, because they're due, they're due to be on the field to hit in 15 minutes at uh, 1045 Central Time, and the tarp is on the field. So I would say that's probably not going to happen. And I think the guys are going to go into the indoor cages to hit. There's another sign that's, eh, let's just say it's not the most pleasant sign in the world. The the really good people here at Miami, and they have been outstanding so far in how uh, things have been set up and uh, giving us the things that we need to do our job and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, they walked over a few minutes ago, Jeff, and handed uh, Roger and me two I think it's two, two giant trash bags for the purposes of covering our equipment if we need to cover our equipment. I was going to say, did you bring, you, you have ponchos, right? No ponchos. No ponchos? No ponchos. Mm. No, uh, there is an awning, but they but they did tell us about the awning. They said the awning is good for a light rain. <laughs> and, and I will tell you that yesterday afternoon, Longhorns did get all of their practice in. And uh, and they're hitting, they're batting, they're infield, outfield. They got all of their uh, practice in. Roger got a chance to witness a, a, a scary moment for a moment. Jack O'Dowd collided. Who did he collide with, Roger? You remember, who, who was it that Jack O'Dowd collided with yesterday that Jack he ran into? Yeah, who did he collide with? You know, it, it, was a, it was an unnamed. Might have been Dylan Campbell, not sure. But anyway, he was fine. He was down for a couple minutes and – they went out to check on him, make sure he was all right. He was down there get, gathering himself. He was fine. Got up and, and, and continued. But they, my point was they went through their practice. They did all their – they got in all their hitting, 
So did Louisiana. Miami had gone before Texas. I think the only ones who got caught in the, uh, in the rain were the four seed, the main black bears. And uh, it, was, uh, it was not good. It, it, I mean, it was a pretty significant downpour yesterday afternoon. And that was kind of the concern for today. Well, for the moment, there's, there's some pretty dark clouds that have come over the ballpark right now. No rain. We did hear rumbling of thunder off in the distance. Uh, but the team is definitely going inside to take their batting practice indoor, and I think they're taking no chances here. This field drains really well, and they're able to get it ready to play even after a heavy rain in about an hour or something like that. Uh, but it is natural grass and, a, and, and obviously a dirt infield. So they've got the tarp on the field right now. No fish, so. no fish in the outfield? Don't have to worry about that? Uh, no fish in the outfield. Now, uh, Roger's showing me a picture of the radar and uh, where we are. And uh, we're right, kind of right on the edge of that. If it, if it kept moving north instead of inland, we're going to be okay. But I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Well, and I've got a feeling Miami's not going to have to blow through their entire athletic, their remaining athletic department budget on Diamond <laughs> Drive. <laughs> They're not going to have to bring in helicopters and yeah. and 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 blow out the uh, athletic budget on uh, Diamond Dry and uh, in the outfield. They won't need to do that. Um, remember, was it was it a couple of years ago? I know la- uh, last year in Florida they had the big rains in Oklahoma, kind of came through it all and ended up beating Florida, knocking them. But wasn't Texas Tech down here in a regional yes. two or three years ago where they got pushed back and pushed back and they had a lot of lot of rain delays? Mm-hmm. And that was the one I think were. Dartmouth was in here, I think, as well, maybe. Um, so it was, yeah, they're used to it down here. They know how to deal with it. Unfortunately, it it does imperil being able to start and keep a regional tournament on schedule. So that's that's going to be the um, that's going to be the concern. I, I don't think there's any doubt. It, you know, uh, can they work around the the, the rain? And um, from what I've been told, the biggest threats are today and tomorrow, less so on Sunday and if it gets pushed to Monday. But then you get on in the next week, and there is a tropical depression out in the Gulf of Mexico. And there is some concerns about that thing uh, turning up this way and, and, and uh, causing some problems. So, yeah, there's there's definite concern. I don't think there's any question about that. There's, that there's concern lovely. about it. Yeah. And, and now, I will tell you this feels kind of comfortable at the moment out here because there isn't any sun beating down on us and because of the cloud cover and a little bit of breeze it actually feels quite comfortable out here but I I, I would trade that for some uh, discomfort and and a little feeling of uh, humidity driven heat based uh, oppressive conditions if it meant we were going to be able to start and play this tournament on time and 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 right now it, it is on time right now it is scheduled to do that but the tarp is on the field. So the Longhorns who are scheduled to take batting practice nine minutes from now are going to be taking it indoors um, in the indoor cages. So that that's what's going to be happening there, hey, unfortunately. Craig, so I don't, I, I don't remember if David Pierce mentioned this in the availability yesterday or if you've heard it from him being down there or what. What is the bullpen plan? Because we know Heston Toll and David Shaw not available. That's uh, correct. DJ Burke is transferred out, so yep. you're you're down a few bullpen hands, and at this point, the guys that are there have been up and down, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, is it completely situational based on who they go with first, or do they have a guy or two that they feel like, okay, regardless of the situation, to get this win on day one, get yourself into the winners bracket, we're going to go with person A, person B, or person C. Well, I, it's a good question, and what what I think that a lot of this is going to come down to is what I just referred to. How on schedule can you keep this event? Uh, if, if, you know, Gino looks good right from, from the start, and I'm not talking about the Miami head coach Gino Damari. I'm talking about the nickname for Lucas Gordon. If he looks good from the start, and let's say he gets two, three innings in, and then the skies completely open up and they have to pull him out, then depending on what the score is at the time, are you then zeroing in on doing, you know, uh, bridging it, piecing it, and how do you bridge it? Are you doing it with with long-term relief? Are you doing it with short-term relief? Uh, you know, for uh, a left-hander, you got Ace Whitehead, are you know ready to come out of the pen if you if you need him? Uh, Charlie Hurley, if it's a longer uh, deal from the right hand, you got Chase Loomis who can come out. He talked about Chase the other day uh, coming out of the pen. Uh, 
the uh, pin is uh, a left-hander. So, you know, I think I think it, it would depend on what the score is. What's, what's the old thing you say about in uh, basketball, score time situation? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what it is. What inning is it? What's the score? Um, you know, how long did you wait? Uh, you know, I've, I've asked far more learned baseball minds than my own, like uh, Keith Moreland and Greg Swindell and Ty Harrington, about that that deal where you, um, you know, where you where uh, you, you have to wait out a rain delay and how long is too long, where you just can't bring the guy back, and they said, you know, and and they've all said pretty much it depends on first of all the arm, the guy that you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, depends on the situation. Most of the time, you can get in the 40 to 45 minute range and still be okay, but but you got to it, it gets pretty dicey after that. Now, having said all that, and and it, I've only I've only seen this one time, but it, it did happen the one time in Norman, Oklahoma, a few years ago, where our good friend and one of our broadcasters on these Nathan Thornhill was pitching at OU on a Sunday afternoon and they had a deal just like this where the skies opened up and Texas had the lead and there was a two and a half hour delay and 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 I've had Nathan talk about this uh, <clears throat> on the air on our Longhorn broadcast this year uh, about how they wrapped up his arm and Skip Johnson they kept a really uh, good close look on his arm kept everything warm kept him tight kept him loose it was a two and a half hour delay he came back out and I think he wound up pitching eight innings total of of a of a shutout that uh, Texas put on the Sooners that day. So <laughs> it was it was a big part of it. And but that's that's an exception to the rule. And as we know, Nate was not an exceptionally hard thrower. Right. He was more control with his fastball um, and get ahead of the hitters and use his breaking stuff and off speed stuff to to get the guys out. It's a little bit different with harder throwers, certainly. Um, so that's. It's a good question. I think they've, they've got several guys. The question is, he's also been really pleased. I will tell you this. David said this the other day, and you were there, when he said he likes what he's seen out of Andre Duplantier of late in his, in his side work and his scrimmaging and things of that nature. So there's another, there's another uh, right arm that you can go to. And then they, they, you know, they've got several different other guys, uh, Travis Daly, Zane Morehouse, Kobe Minchie. You know, there's, there's guys. Uh, the question is, time score situation, I think. We'll, we'll do a lot depending on what's going to happen with that. For sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Dylan Campbell's hitting streak, Craig, but it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing how if you talk to D.C., if you, if you interview him, if you just watch his body language, you know, when he's just hanging around the, you know, the, the cage or whatever, you, you never know that this is a guy that's a hit today away from breaking the Big 12 record. It's a non-story to him. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a complete non-story to him. You bring it up, and he's he doesn't even he doesn't even smile and shrug his shoulders. He just kind of shrugs and yeah, you know, it's kind of like yeah, it's it, it's a not that it's a nuisance or bearing down on him. It's just that you know that's something that if I were to think about it would allow would 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 detract me distract me from being able to do what my daily job is. That's the vibe I get from D.C. and talking to him about it. And he's yeah. like, you know, on down the road, yeah, I'll enjoy it, but uh, we got to win ball games and we got to do this. And, you know, he didn't, he doesn't really, he doesn't really get, but his teammates obviously get very, very excited for him. And then, like you said, if he gets a hit today, that's 36 in a row and he, he moves out of the tie for the all-time list with Ty Wright from Oklahoma State in 2007. So he becomes the Big 12's all-time uh, hit streak leader. So, so there's that. that so, that's what you. Yeah. That's one of the things you love about team sports. You know, I, uh, you know, whenever a guy gets drafted or, or wins an award or whatever, you know, and we've seen this with some Texas teams, the teammates almost have more of a an overjoyed reaction than the guy himself does. Like I remember last year, uh, you know, when what Ivan got, I think it was the. Uh, not the Dick Hauser. It was the Golden Spikes when he got the Golden Spikes, and they did the zoom from inside the the clubhouse, and like it, you know, everybody else in that clubhouse was more excited than Ivan. And and it, comparing like how Ivan handled everything last year, it was almost like, you know, he'd crack that smile and he'd be like, I, I literally cannot believe any of this is happening right now. Not and not braggadocious at all. Almost like in awe that everything was happening. But with DC, it's 
you wouldn't know the difference. If, like I said, if you walked up to him right now, you wouldn't know the difference if he had a 35-game hitting streak or if he was 0 for his last 35. No you doubt. W- you wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, and, and and like you said, the teammates tend to get more excited about that stuff. The, the 20, was it the uh, – no, it was the it was the uh, the 24 to 6 win over um, uh, over San Jose State and and our 24 to 3 win over San Jose State. That's when uh, Cam Constantine hit his first home run as long and you you would have thought his teammates were about to tear the place apart. They were they were that excited uh, for Cam. All right, um, we need a break. Jeff, it is raining. Hey Craig, can we uh, can we dispel one thing that I don't I don't think you're going to see this? Somebody asked on the Specs Tech Line a baseball sure. related question. Would there be a situation where Tanner Witt comes in to close? No, 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 not at because all. It, because uh, it's not because he he wouldn't be capable of doing it, but the way that they the way that they're they're doing the run up with Tanner. First of all, you need a third starter, even if he's only an opener, mm-hmm. uh, to go an inning or two or three. Uh, you need that. Secondly. Uh, David Pierce does not want to heat him up for a situation that might or might not happen. And especially now with the uncertain situation with the weather here, um, the last thing in the world you want to do is get a guy heated because you only got a limited amount of warm-up time for him and pitches for him. So you'd rather do it from a fixed point to be able to start the ball game than doing that. There, there, you know, maybe if this team continued on and, and if this team continues to, you know, and put it together and they and they win this regional and uh, go out and, and win the super regional, whether it's in Palo Alto or at home or College Station or wherever, and they win and get to Omaha, maybe, maybe then you might see something like that. But I think also the staff likes where they are with him as well yeah um, uh he went three and for whatever it's worth he went three and a third in an inner squad last yeah. saturday so he's at least still somewhat on schedule and to your point craig i think the bigger thing especially in a regional your your third starter his start is either going to be an elimination game yeah or it's going to be your 2-0 and and that's the game that could put you in the supers so yep. that third starter especially in a regional is far more important than you know closing out one of the first two games to get you down that road Absolutely. All right, we need a break. I see the great and famous Jay Walker's here, you know, the, the voice of the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. It's good to see him here uh, as well. So um, when we come back, we're going to do Inconceivable. It is raining, Jeff. It is a very light, soft rain, uh, but we are covering the equipment. And based, on your, based on your coffee accident, uh, Flacidity is running amok at Alex Rodriguez Park. Well, right it now. is Friday. So, Cam, you know what that means on Friday, don't you? Reach for that low-hanging fruit. And there's a lot of it around here. And since it's swampy, that fruit's going to be hanging. It's going to be sag- it's sagging fruit. There's nothing quite like doing a Florida man story or two when you're actually in the state of Florida. I've been looking forward to that. I, 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 we've had better Florida man offerings than the ones I'm going to give this morning, but i got a couple. So we'll get those when we come back. Uh, we're here at Mark Light, State, at Mark Light Field uh, here for the regional. It's Texas against Louisiana, we're hoping, today. Uh, oh, hey, good sign. Looks like the rain is... And this was a word I used that used to bother Bill Shoning. Slackening. It's slackening a little bit. So it's hey, uh, is, a- is A-Rod there yet? You seen A-Rod yet? Hadn't seen him yet. We'll keep an eye out for him. But uh we need uh we need a break. When we come back, we'll uh we'll get to inconceivable uh, when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AN twelve sixty. We're live local and digital on the Horn app at hornfm.com. Craig's off headset. All right. Well, he's got the inconceivable bit, so I guess we'll just hang out doing live radio. Maybe some weather talk? No, kind of kind of done with, with weather talk. Um, I can okay. hear a conversation in the background. We're, we're, we're here. Go. Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. I was being entertained by our good friend Jay Walker, the uh, play-by-play voice of the Raging Cajuns. He, was, he also is planning to go to the – uh, game tonight between the Marlins and the A's uh, because uh, the former Raging Cajun pitcher is starting for Oakland tonight. So uh, we were we were talking about that, but 
Uh, I was mentioning the last time, this is kind of out of inconceivable. I was mentioning the last time I saw Jay was last year. Remember, Texas played uh, Louisiana in basketball and uh, oh, beat yeah. them. And it was in December, and Jay was getting ready to make an all night drive from Austin to Shreveport to get ready for the Independence Bowl the next day. Good God, that sounds yeah. terrible. And then on top of it, he said it was 24 degrees, and the the toilets had frozen in the press box as well as the press box elevator. They had to climb the steps, and uh, he said they put a whole bunch of portable uh, porta johnnies out there, portalets, uh, for them <laughs> for people to use. And he said it was a rough day. It, it was a rather inconceivable kind of day, which brings me to the inconceivable file. All right, uh, hey Craig, for, real quick, yes. uh, Bizarro Dale Dudley wanted to let you know that. Uh, Said it's inconceivable that Craig won't cheat on his wife to get us the big three in one year. <laughs> well, like again, I said, I'm sure Linda is just thrilled if she's listening to the show today. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that goes over really well. All right, we were we were talking about baseball, and there's a California man. We're going to get to the Florida man thing in a moment. There's a California man suing the Angels for unspecified damages after he was struck in the left eye and left blinded by a ball allegedly thrown into the stands during a game last season. Daniel uh, Mermelstein attended a game last June against the Royals at Angel Stadium with friends when the incident in question took place. Mermelstein, age 55, was eating peanuts at the end of the top of the sixth inning when former Angels outfielder and ex-New York Met Juan Ligaris allegedly threw the final out into the bleachers. Uh, it's unclear how Lagars got the ball at the end of that inning because the final out of that frame was a double play on the infield. But citing the civil complaint, Mermelstein was struck at high velocity, and while he later underwent surgery, he was left blinded in his left eye. He already was affected with uh, keratoconus in his right eye and had considered his le- uh, left eye the better one. So... Uh, Lagarde's how, how hard was that damn ball thrown? Well, that's the deal. See, it says, you know, despite Major League Baseball tickets, and we've all seen it on the tickets, where they say teams are not responsible for any injuries that may occur, his attorney said that doesn't apply here. That's not the law here in California. I understand there's a risk when there's a batted ball, a foul ball, or a home run, but this accident happened when play was stopped. And remember, um, six years ago in 2017, a fan struck by a foul ball at a Yankees game incurred $160,000 in medical bills, but he had no such luck with his lawsuit. A four-judge appeals court ruled that he should have better heeded the warnings on his ticket about the dangers of foul balls. Jeff, I will tell you, the tickets that um, that uh, Roger and I have are kind of down the left field foul line a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's row one, so it's 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 a little bit after the third base back. So you talk about keeping your head on a swivel. Yeah, we got to do that tonight so that we don't get struck hey, by a foul ball. You being the baseball purist that you are, let me know if this is possible. And I've never been to a hockey game, but my brother has. And Cameron, I know you've been to your fair share of hockey games. I love the rule that's in place in hockey, where when the puck is in play, you're not you're you're in your seat. You're not getting up, walking around. You're paying attention. Could you do something like that with baseball, or is baseball too nuanced to have something like that? What they do is they do it in some parks, including okay. Atlanta. But what it is is like after a pitch, a foul ball or something, they'll let you go down. But you're not doing it when the motion is in action. They'll do it like after a foul ball or an out is registered. Can they do it? I wonder if it's like you can do it once the pitch, once the pitch clock starts. Then I don't know about that. Then, that you're, yeah. then you're in your seat. That'd be interesting to see if it does that. Okay. Got, and I, don't, uh, I, don't know, I don't want to disparage this gentleman, but look, let's be honest. If people would stop messing around on their phones at the ballpark, you'd probably be a little more alert to what's going on yeah. around you. See a lot yes. of that when I go to baseball games. Absolutely. Okay. Now, this did not happen in Florida, but it sounds like something a Florida man would do. Three teenagers in New York, Syracuse, New York to be exact, have been arrested in connection with um, – Well, let me just put it how they say. Killing and consuming a beloved swan and stealing four young swans this week. There was a mature female swan. How many swans did you say were stolen? uh, A total of four. Okay. Uh, I thought um, you said 40. Good Lord. Four. And um, 
uh, at a total of five. They stole four. A mature female swan named Faye and her four young swans, which are known as cygnets, were reported missing from the swan pond on Monday. On Tuesday, authorities received tips that two of the cygnets were at a discount store in a nearby town where one of the suspects worked. More information then led police to a second location where the remaining cygnets were found. An 18-year-old and two other juveniles, aged 16 and 17, are facing several charges, including grand larceny in the third degree, criminal mischief in the second degree, conspiracy in the fifth degree, and criminal trespass in the third degree. The three suspects surrendered to police. The three friends who attend the same high school hopped over the fence surrounding the Swan Pond during the night. This is the sad part. Two of the suspects held down Faye and captured her. She was killed at the pond and did not fight back because she was nesting the family. And then here's the police chief's word. The family and friends did consume the adult swan. They ate the swan. Yeah, Swan like a delicacy or something? I don't know. They they the teenager be- believed they were hunting a very large duck, and they were planning to raise the cygnets as pets. And, you know, that's uh, that's uh, that's kind of a cauldron offense in my yeah. book. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Okay, let's move on to Florida because we're here in Florida. All right. First of all, uh, something that happened up the coast from us on the Palm Coast in Flagler County. Police arrested a Florida man who they say pointed a handgun at a woman's head and threatened to kill her after a friend Ooh. backed into his driveway. Cameron and I were talking about Flagler County uh, yesterday. Well, here you go show. with Flagler County yeah. again. Terry Vetch, age 60, was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon without intent, without intent to kill. The incident began around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. A man briefly backed his vehicle into Vetch's driveway. Vetch, who was watching on a security camera, went outside with a handgun to confront the man. In the video, a woman can be seen walking out of the home across to confront the man who then pulls out a gun and points it at her head. After he lowered the weapon, the two continued arguing before Vetch returned home, according to police. He told police he pulled the hammer back on the gun when he pointed it at the woman. He thought the man who backed into his driveway was a different neighbor. I was going to tell oh, yeah, him because that makes it better. He said I was going to tell him to stay the hell out of my driveway. They've been told this before. He was released on a fifty thousand dollar bond. <laughs> you, that's your ultimate get off my lawn store. Get out of my driveway. I'm going to point him there. Okay. Finally, one other Florida. Now this is a good Florida man story. Uh, this happened up the coast in Daytona Beach on Tuesday. A what's described as a crazed Florida man who thought he saw a ghost at a motel, ran wild through Daytona Beach on Tuesday and wound up trying to break into a home while screaming, help me, and he was arrested for burglary. Andrew George and his companion, Natasha Kachuri, had gotten a room at a travel inn shortly before the outburst, but demanded a refund when they heard the bathroom window opening. Is that one of those pay-by-the-hour gimmicks? I think so. They believed a shadow was following them. So they fled toward Beach Street. As they ran across the parking lot at the Halifax Marina, George fell into the water. He then got out, and they sprinted to a business. And then after that, a woman living there saw the couple in the front door of the business where they said, please help us. George then allegedly ran toward the resident who stepped inside, locked her door, grabbed the knife, threatened to use it on as he banged on the door. When police arrived, they found him lying on the ground, covered in blood and crying out in pain. It's unclear how he was injured. He decided not to enter the home because he heard kids' voices and didn't want to scare him, he said. But he fled from the hotel because he believed a ghost wanted to harm him and said he was unable to enter the business due to God telling him that his lady friend was a bad person to hang out with. Bath salts had to be involved here. Some. <laughs> there you go. He said he blamed, no, ecstasy. Blamed his bad choices oh. that night on there you ecstasy. Go. All right, we're done here. I'll keep everybody updated. Right now, it's raining. It is raining here, and so we'll see. Um, the game is supposed to start two hours from now, but we'll keep you posted on that. Hour number two of Light the Tower coming up on the horn.